Okay, welcome to the show. Yes. I'm sitting here together with Dana. <laughs> Dana, you are a dentist in Düsseldorf and you have a lot of experience about with MEH. How did you gather this experience? Mm. That's right. Uh, so I gathered my experience regarding MIH during the past years because of the rising prevalence. We have a lot of children infected with MIH and um, through my cooperation with GC for the clinical research part, cooperating with Professor Krima from the University of Gießen. We adapted some of the treatment protocols and this was very helpful for our daily practice and that's why over time we implemented these protocols and products from GC which helps us and the children who suffer from MIH. And you even introduced this in your daily practice that you have mm -hmm. dedicated afternoon just for MEH. Yes. What's your typical uh, protocol for the, the typical MEH patient who's coming to your office? Well, it's usually they, the parents come together because you, it's um, also you need to advise to the parents. There's a lot of questioning about the diseases. They want to understand what is MIH, how did it occur, what did they do wrong. They, parents, of course, they are worrying, did they miss something? So it is really about talking and then asking. We do have a questionnaire, so what has been any incidences during pregnancy, so if there have been any medications. Since it's still not known where the etiology from MIH is connected to, But, But uh, do you have a guess what's, uh, from your experience, what's probably the mm. one of the factors? Do you have a guess there? There are some parameters which are in discussion. It's one is BPA, so endocrinological induced diseases. They are linked to BPA, bisphenol A, or polycarbonates. So the research part is looking into that. Are there any correlences between the incidence of MIH and exposure to BPAs during early childhood so because we know the first molar is very often infected so there needs to be questioned is it something that the children are exposed between the first and the third year and secondly um, antibiotic treatments that's always and then also during pregnancy are there have been any medications that might have also influenced the amelogenesis of the teeth mm. so this is Discussion. No, no, the interesting uh, thing is, um, I had a talk about uh, with the professor from Greifswald, mm -hmm. uh, Professor Spiet, about it, and he of course said, "Yeah, it's not a noun, but uh, he thinks it's linked uh, if to high temperature sicknesses uh, also. That mm -hmm. uh, when small children had a high fever, um, that he also sees that as a prevalent factor, but mm -hmm. of course he can't prove it. Uh, yes, but uh, the interesting thing, it was a course um, mm -hmm. and uh, someone a dentist uh, with the mother of a few children also said oh yeah that could be because my youngest one had a really high fever mm -hmm. and <laughs> MEH uh, now so it's very interesting so product wise how do you treat these children you just told me that you even have some patients who are mm. have problems with eating yes. uh, due to MEH yes so depending on the treatment need index either you just have opacities on the T's this is also very common and you can mistake in them with white spots or fluorosis but what is very significant for the MIH children is that they suffer from hypersensitivity so if you just with the air test you can see um, that they suffer from cold the eating things, nutrition, they are narrowed down in that. And so this is a characteristic that you can measure 
as uh, clinically for MIH. And what we do is that we seal them, the teas, if you don't have substance defects. So you seal them with a glazonomer, a high, vis high viscose glazonomer, such as the Fuji triage. This is a very helpful device. And additionally, on top, we recommend for the home use a MI Paste Plus or a Too Smooth, so remineralizing agents and Recaldent works very good. And also on the chair side, we put a layer of MI varnish, so a high fluorid varnish is also very helpful. This is like the initial treatment, and then um, they are in a life cycle monitoring, so you see, but usually after 24 hours, um, they don't suffer from hypersensitivities anymore and this is of course very helpful for the children and in substance defects we so we use glazonomers hybrid glazonomers such as Aquia or Aquia Forte or Aquia HT um, these work also well for the stabilization phase oh, okay. mm -hmm. and probably are these teeth already fully erupted when you see the patients or usually not? Not always. So if you see them in the early stage, you, you may, may see substance defects in the eruption phase. And then, of course, it is also helpful to use a glazonomer. But in general, I would always advise to use a glazonomer because um, of the fluoride release, not only because of the circumstances that um, of the vetability. It's also helping for the hypersensitivity. And then later on, if you want to transit into a resin-based restoration, I would always wait until the hypersensitivity is not there anymore and the defect is stabilized, that there are no other fracture or flaking parts. And then you can also think, consider about a resin-based, composite-based restoration or even into a long-term restoration when they are not in development anymore, such as lazy, onlays, inlays, or veneers for the frontees. Mm. If the frontees are also often, they you have the incisor hypermineralization, of course, as well. But it always depends probably on the defects. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But um, do you have a different adhesion protocol or do you still uh, use your standard adhesion uh, uh, protocol for the veneers or for the uh, permanent mm. or more permanent restoration, mm -hmm. the posterior? That's a very good question. We don't know yet how deep the disease goes. So even if you think that it seems to be in a, in a good area where, you are, where it's not infected anymore, you don't know. You would need to have a histological probe to tell is the uh, animal still infected or not. But we have, so far it works very well with the G Premier Bond and the G Stem Link Force. If we place veneers, we did that already for older patients above 20 years who have the incisors infected with incisor hypomineralization. Of course, it's only our clinical data personally mm. that we can say even after a year or two years follow up, it's still consistent but um, data for that is needed so research is needed and to say how deep do you need to excavate how deep do you need to remove the opaque areas and what looting protocol works best for molar or incisor hypermonalized teas mm. that's still outstanding that's what's needed yet so actually sometimes when i talk uh, with dentists ab about meh mm. we are some tend to uh, make really extreme choices uh, rather to extract the yes. first molars and then um, let uh, the um, uh, orthodontist uh, do the rest. Uh, mm. um, I personally would not like this approach. Mm. What's your experience with that? 
Yes, I think it's depending on the size of the defect. Of course, you have cases where you see them on a very later point and they um, most of the molar is already so deeply infected and um, a root canal treatment is not possible, then you go for the extraction therapy, but it shouldn't be the first choice, of course. But I can personally say from my clinical experience, even deep cavities, but we know it already from equia or glasonomers in general, are uh, very thankful for the pulp parts, even if you have a carious profunda. It works very well. So even for deep cavities, you can always try first with the glasonomer filling. And if it's not working, the extraction therapy should be really the final choice. I mean, for example, the extraction therapy might work in the posterior, but not in the anterior region. Yeah, of course. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are you, this is this is a very good question because what are you doing with the uh, front anterior teeth that is deeply infected? But usually those kids they come to the dentist because yeah. if you have like a, a major substance defect, you can always try with the filling. Glazonomers is a, is a little tricky for the front teeth area, so you seal it for a while and afterwards. If it's stabilized, you still can try a resin-based restoration and later on then, of course, definite. But the extraction therapy, But because what are the choices afterwards? You always have to provide a solution. Mm. You cannot leave them with a gap. Mm. And the implant therapy before they are 18 or 19, 20 years old is also Actually not... some people even say that we shouldn't do implants uh, under 30 years. Um, yes. So it's we are then kind of focused, or mm. the only option would be mm. a bonded bridge. Yes, uh, yeah. for instance. Mm. And yeah. uh, that's could be a nice option, but it's always poor. Uh, yeah. Poor situation, or that, um, sad situation mm. of some young person losing um, yeah. central incisor. Yeah, this, the issue is that we are speaking of a disease in pediatric dentistry that is on the primary, not on the primary teeth, on the permanent teeth. So you need to offer always a solution for the parents and for the children. But this is why we also instruct our dental hygienists in the office. They see the children on a frequent basis for the cleansing or just like for the individual prophylaxis and, and what's very common here in Germany. If they recognize the MIH on an early stage, there are many options how you can help. But How often does your hygienist recall your MIH patients? Do you have a different mm -hmm. protocol for that? Yes, we do. So they usually come after the first visit, four weeks past the first visit, and then we call them in again after four weeks. So we monitor and we track, uh, is there a pain relief? Do you see any differences? Usually uh, parents tell us eating habits have changed. So for like ice cream, is, uh, it's not an issue anymore, or very cold nutrition. Well, that's just, um, so we see that. Beside then, if they are stabilized, they come just on a frequent basis for the twice yearly checkup. And let's go back to the posterior, because some people even would uh, say, I think uh, with the stainless steel crowns, some, uh, the one company also has one them first molars. Do you have any experience with using stainless steel crowns on MEH teeth, or yeah. uh, are you rather not suggesting it? Luckily, we, we don't see this stage of MIH very okay. often. What's common for us is um, the stages where you have the opacities and the hypersensitivities or defects which can be until the dentin part but so we we don't use the stainless steel crowns of course it's 
depending on the indication, it can be very helpful. And if we have larger defects, we transit them with a glazonomer restoration and then go rather for a ceramic-based long-term restoration okay. from uh, if they are not in the developing phase anymore. So I don't have like a profound experience in the stainless okay. crowns. But there are alternatives also on circuit base. So I know, or you can even use hybrid ceramics. Mm. In a digital workflow, you scan the defect and you, you, you can develop a hybrid crown. So because of the, um, the stainless greens, the adaptation and the biological widths, mm. it's not always helping. So it's a little critical. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you can summarize, it always depends on the stage of the person is in mm. or when you when we see them for the mm. first time. As long as it's not fully erupted, rather uh, it's something treatment with ecumia, glass and fillings. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't need any treatment, rather the MI moves uh, and very close recalls. Mm -hmm. As soon as they're fully erupted, uh, you kind of tend to think quite early about some uh, hybrid gl uh, ceramics or gla uh, glass ceramics. Um, Yeah, okay. uh, when they are at least uh, 18, 19 years old. Okay. So until that, we try to bridge the time with uh, either glazonomers and the hybrid glazonomers work also on long term mm. or um, just composite-based, resin-based restorations. But we always say seal to heal because mm. the sealing is very crucial and the varnishes are also very important in the treatment of MIH. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you said 18, 18 because mm -hmm. uh, if, for example, some young patients were 15, 16, they might be also very concerned about the opti yeah. optical uh, properties of their front tube. In these cases, you rather work with composite, mm -hmm. probably? Yes. Okay. I would even suggest to wait a little longer because okay. girls, they still grow after past the 18th year. So, so when they're around their 20s, it's a good time. But of course, they demand for it. Mm. If, if it's the incisor, they suffer from it. Like white spots, people who say, I don't want to have them any. I don't want to have this defect. But luckily, the new composite systems like Essentia or the Genial Composites, they, you, you can provide a really nice solution also for that time being. Thanks a lot for the talk, Dana. Yeah, thank you. I think everybody, <laughs> in <laughs> cases someone wants to know more about MEH, you have also a webinar uh, yes. online. Is it in German or in English? It's in, um, I think it's in German. Okay, in German. <laughs> okay, too bad. Just for the German yeah. business. <laughs> But we have an English webinar on the GCE campus from Falk Spendike, which is ah, also okay. very helpful. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, thank you Thanks very much. Bye.